the rotational torque aspect i understand securing the lumbar spine that's one of the biggest things that i've learned from you brother it's understanding that you want to secure the weakest link in the chain which is your lumbar spine and if your t-spine is rotating it's fine yet how do we how, how what is your opinion on these ballistic loading exercises circle yeah. cleans side swings. Uh, most of them are plain dangerous uh i think if you do it with a you know body weight for mobility and flexibility it's fine uh especially indian clubs are nice because it's lightweight yeah. but the minute you start loading it really heavy uh you have to be really really mindful you have to be uh almost an advanced athlete to be able to control your, your body like that, to yeah. be safe. Yeah. They're not suitable for beginners at all. Uh, they are advanced in my opinion and not suitable for most. Uh, and then even then, even athletes like, like have you had any injuries? Uh, it's really, uh, I would say person specific and I would have to kind of look at their training and seeing does this make sense? Uh, Look, I've experienced back pain. I would say most people experience back pain. And the minute you do, you really have to be careful about your back because the minute you get injured in your back, it's over. You can't train, you can't do anything. So are those movements too risky? Are they worth the risk? It's up to you. You know, you make the call. To me, it's not. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you look at Stu's uh, work, you know, he'll talk about um, you don't want to combine uh, flexion and rotation into one motion mm -hmm. because it replicates disc herniation. You mm -hmm. could do one or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, you don't want to do it loaded, especially not in athletics. But in mm -hmm. some, well, you know what? In some athletics, you don't, you don't have a choice, mm -hmm. such as throwing, pitching, and stuff like that. But you look mm -hmm. at the body mechanics, they use the whole body. So let's say a pitcher, a thrower, or uh, someone that does twists, like uh, hockey players, you know, any athlete that is forced to twist their body, they do it enough in their sport. They don't need to load that with weight. They have to create stability in their spine. So they have to counter all that rotation that they do in their sport with something to strengthen the opposite, the, the opposite, mm -hmm. that it's preventing. That is mm -hmm. anti-rotation, anti-bending, mm -hmm. anti-extension mm -hmm. to stabilize the, 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 the spine. Mm -hmm. So they have to strengthen all their torso muscles, their whole body. Mm -hmm. So their spine stays as safe as possible during their sport. Does that make sense? 100%. Because uh, they do it enough in their sport. So it's why, why repeat, why kind of uh, hit the, the horse in the head too often, right? It doesn't make any sense. And almost it's like you you're trying to overdo it and that's where injury occurs and enough and players get injured yep. uh in, in, yeah. in through playing their sports anyway uh, and, and what happens is that the, they get injured usually towards the end of the game unless they got into a fight or there's something else happens or whatever but it's uh when they're fatigued the most that they get hurt and Stuart mcgill has done the tests with uh fighters uh, or he's done a lot of tests with fighters and other athletes, but he, he talked to me because uh, I took a few of his seminars in, in person and I know Stuart. Awesome. And um, he told me that um, when he checks an athlete for injury, uh, the, the, the mechanism for injury will usually re replicate itself during fatigue. 
So you won't see it right away when they're fresh because you analyze their movement and they're you know, doing a whole assessment with them to check what's happening. Mm-hmm. You see, it only happens when they get tired. They start compensating. So it's normal that, you know, because your muscles are just too fatigued to continue. So that's when uh, athletes tend to get injured is towards the end. So you can train yourself to uh, have more endurance, uh, try to pr- uh, be as less fatigued as possible or to, to be as fresh as possible during your sport. But it's in- mm-hmm. inevitable up to a certain point when you're at such high level, you know, you're playing, uh, it's like interval, you know, you're going to get fatigued, you know, uh, you have to buffer the acid. Uh, and on the other hand, on the other hand, brother, you know what I think is another aspect that we have to consider when we talk about athletes is, yes, they maybe have a higher risk um to to benefit ratio with their sport alone yet they get compensated man so all the time they're, so they're so asymmetrical because they favor one side always and i mean i mean i mean even the monetary compensate compensation that okay. plays a role yeah because because listen this is what i this is what i'm always telling myself is okay why engage in a sport where high level of athleticism there is always a higher level of risk because you want to be the best. You push your body to a limit. I, I get it. I get it. So you're, there, you're prone to injury, unfortunately, no matter how safe you engage or try to engage. So prone to injury. Yet the benefits is if I am a professional soccer player in Europe and I hurt my knee, at least I got money in the bank. I, I mean... Yes, we know money cannot compensate for health. Yet, there is the benefit where I'm saying, okay, I'm engaging and putting my body to this stress and this, these compressive forces that are not necessary for a normal human being because I get compensated in a way normal people do not. Of course. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm see- yeah. You, you money is always that. a factor. <laughs> always, always, yeah. Everyone has to a their certain price. degree. Yeah, Everyone has and, and you know, when, when I read the book, uh, what one thing that already strikes me is the problem that exacerbates itself when you have postural deficiencies, what mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Stuart McGill is talking about. So, and I like how, we already talked about it as well, I like how this ties into what Gray Cook is saying from Functional Movement Systems and Pavel was replicating what Gray Cook was saying in that in that BJJ video, where it's all about moving well before moving often and under load. This is such a crucial statement. Yes, that's the, that's their motto. It's uh, move well, move move often. And so before being strong first, you want to be able to move well, and then you could be strong. One hundred percent. That's kind of as it's kind of like the uh, you want to have that mobility approach, where we're gonna look at a client and assess their movement rather than just start training them. And we ha- we have a system, you know, we use FMS also, and uh, we we look at how uh, our students move or how people when they come in, we we check them out. You already can screen them, right? Yeah, with the them. we have to screen them with the coach's eye. You're yeah. already and we talked about it. Uh, we talked about this the last time. How you're already able to screen somebody, not in a negative way, but just understanding how they move, how how they sit down, how they engage with their bodies. You yeah. see so much 
in the beginning yeah. where you, you the first thing is just understanding how to move your body without it even being loaded right correct and i'm getting this man and you know you know what's uh we got we got a lot of these comments we're like yeah or strong first or kettlebells or blah 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 it's like a cult mm. and you know where i'm getting this vibe from is because we agree on so many things because they make sense yeah <laughs> right yeah. and 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 if i agree with some notion then maybe i have to disagree with another yeah <laughs> And and when you agree with 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 certain philosophies, you you're bound to disagree with other stuff, and that's where people get the feeling that you're a cult. Or yeah, and there's others that take things to extremes. Like we're not yes. all extremists. Yes. People that strong first, we're not extreme either. I mean, we like to be strong, but we want to help you move better, also. And we know what we do; it works really well. And we teach some of the top uh, top courses, or we offer the best uh, instruction and knowledge out there in the industry. Also, the reason why I say this is because I took all of them. <laughs> I took a lot of the courses out there. I've read all the all of the books, and I just follow who I know is the best and inspires me most. Mm. And what we're also who I jive with. It's also my yeah, of personality. Course. Uh, of course. You know, so it's also the style, and I you kind of relate or other styles attract you more. That's, that's also fine. So it's, you know, whatever floats your boat, you know, so Dan and, and Pavel, they, they've been working together. Uh, Dan is an awesome coach. He's just, uh, also his, like, he's a legend, he's legendary. He's also a genius in his own way. You know, we all, all follow the same people. So, you have a group of people that you follow. They kind of uh, the geniuses kind of hang out together. Yeah, Stuart McGill, yeah look, look, at, uh, me you, look at me and you, brother. Look at me and you. Look at me and you. So you know that, that's who those those are the people that I follow. Mm. You know, and, uh, it's it's kind of a sad thing because I in the industry right now there's so many influencers and other people like follow those people, but they're not really teachers necessarily they're just kind of like showing what they can do mm -hmm. you know and it's a lot of the times it's advanced it's like they're they're kind of like in their own lane they're driving in their own lane uh they can do things that no one else could do it's super inspirational looks cool but it's not for most that's the mm -hmm. thing because most people they just need to move better you're you're, you're, to move better. you're saying the same thing uh i had a podcast in the morning with uh cat's kettlebell dojo Oh, you talked to Kat? Yeah, today cool. we had a, we had a conversation of one one hour and forty minutes. It was it was it was so inspiring. It was so awesome. She's from New Zealand, or yeah, New Zealand. And uh, she, you know, you know what's so beautiful, man? I talked to Dennis. I talked to you. I talked to Dan. I talked to Brittany. I talked to her. And what I told Kat today is, what I find interesting about talking to to you guys is experts agree kind of agree in the same lane so it's the top of the pyramid right Pe people be like we come to the same conclusions because we understand how the kettlebell works and then i said you know because you mentioned this for example a clean and press or a turkish get up done slowly 
will not impress anybody on social media, but it will impress your body. It will leave mm -hmm. a huge impression on your body. And Kat said, you know, maybe the exercise doesn't look sexy, but it makes you sexy. And I was like, 100%, that's what it is, man. And, and we see this, it's rampant on social. And that's why I believe it's important that experts stand up and in a respectful way, disagree. And I love the, yeah, I love the word peer review, peer review and I love the word discernment. Teaching people truth from error. How to be able to discern or right from wrong or quality. And how, 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 how are you supposed to discern anything if nobody speaks up? You can't. You can't. You look you at can't. it, you're like, okay, that's the way it's supposed to, to be. And in a recent video, I came to this conclusion. I was like, there's two schools of thought that I believe one should follow when it comes to kettlebells. Either you go down the hard style route, and I just recently read in the Strong First Forum that uh, Pavel was gaining the master of sport in kettlebell sport in the military, which I think is awesome. So it's either hard style, kettlebells for general fitness and getting stronger with kettlebells in general, or kettlebell sport, or what I like to term, what, what Brittany and I call ourselves now, is the hybrids. I love, I love what you guys do, and I love what the sports guys do, and I combine it. And you know what Kat said? She said, I, when she was doing competitions, she was smoking the competitions because of a heart style training. Totally. Be because when you have to rack heavy kettlebells in the heart style fashion, without resting the elbow on your hip, it's going to be a, so have a stronger a, core. A yeah, it's a breeze when you have to engage in the in the sport. So I see how they both complement each other, which I really enjoy. And 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 these are the two schools of thought that one must follow, I believe, if you want to take everything up that the kettlebell has to offer. And one thing that I found digging through all these reactions is one thing. People who don't follow neither, neither heart style, neither sport, they do their own kind of thing they with kettlebells. You know they what they do? It. I love it. They mask their so-called unfortunate incompetence in most of the time with light weights. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, brother, man? You know what, man? Uh, the thing, you can do a bunch of stuff with light weights, and you mentioned this yourself and once you go heavy it exposes everything you know you you can't do it you can't do it no no way no way because i you know you can lift a, a really light weight the wrong way so many times before uh, you get hurt mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but technique is where you get results technique is where you get true results and it's an you know I see this a little bit. It's unfortunate because not everyone sees the value in learning technique first. Because mm. I get people coming in to ask me, um, what kettlebell should I buy? You know, or what's the best kettlebell size for me? Well, it depends what you're doing with it. <laughs> and some guys come in, they want to buy 12 kilo for swings. I'm like, that's not correct. You're not really doing anything with that. So men should have like maybe a um, designated minimum weight they should use for certain exercises. Uh, and then should learn technique. 
Because mm. otherwise you're kind of wasting your time. You could just kind of floating around, you're flo floating around. You're not really getting it much into or deep into something really. You're getting much out of, out of something or the tool anyway. So there is so much value into uh, getting instruction from a coach, from one of yep. us, from you or me, uh, before they get to train. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, some people learn on their own. That's okay. And until they reach a certain point, then they, they'll reach out to us. And then they'll be like, oh, I need help with this technique, this, this, this. And then we just kind of polish off the details, right? You know what Cat called this? Cat called, man, I, I've written down, you know, you know what's the beautiful stuff about these podcasts? When I have to edit it, I hear it again, and then it sticks. She said, a willing student always finds his teacher. Man, I, Cat's powerful, man. Totally. And they'll go you looking, they'll go searching. Yep. And you mentioned about the 12 kilo. If I may just contribute to that idea, brother, it's, I believe some men uh, do 12 kilo, but it's just, <laughs> and you know, brother, you're definitely right. That's what I'm seeing. And that's why I'm seeing somehow this hybrid philosophy. When you engage in the, I call it now the hybrid hand to hand swing. You're only engaging in the hinge. You're doing hand to hand movements, hand to hand swing. You're going for time at 12 kilo for a man might work very well in the hybrid idea yet 100 percent i'm on your side if we talk about the heart style swing hey bro bro i'm i'm picking up the 20 with both hands I, it feels like an eight kilo now i've i've generated so much power now and so i understand and i love it man i love the heart it style awesome. it's and i recently swung the the, the 48 and and now I'm getting the 40 kilo because I want to make this my uh, uh, super built a simple and sinister Working idea around it. And man, outstanding, you, brother. Let me tell you, man. You you are you have opened my eyes to to uh, really the heart style philosophy in a way where I understand it's not either or. It's together. Mm. The sport guys, the heart style guys. It's it's together. I see the power of both. Yeah. Can I ask you, uh, Gregory, have you ever thought about competing in sport? I've been asked this a couple of times, but no. Nah. No? The reason why is I don't have the athlete's mindset, man. Mm. i rather dedicate my time to becoming better as a teacher and coach and building yes. the business Yes. Than prepping for a championship. That's your uh, what what you're more passionate about is the, is teaching. That's where I'm at. Yeah, totally. Same. And same with me. That's why you know. And another thing, I I talked to Angie about this, and maybe the sport guys. Yeah, well, well, they have to hear it, I believe, because Brittany French Raven Dyke, Fitbrit, she mentioned this. She kind of felt burned out after working with the heavyweights in the sport. And what I always tend to believe, I see it in the comment section and when you look at history and when you read some books and you read some articles, you see it. High level athleticism, we talked about it, probably leads to injury. So yes. if I start engaging in heavy kettlebell training or the sport with the weights that I'm supposed to use, I believe it's not for my spine. I believe I'll probably hurt myself. That's just what my body's telling me. You know what? I think heavy training has a place in everyone's programs, 
but it has to be like sprinkled in. Um, you could say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You kind of have to measure the doses. Yeah. Because you can't just go heavy all the time and just stick to heavy. Because if you've looked at all the successful athletes uh, that lift weights or even in sports, they, they have light, medium, and heavy. So you need, I'd say, uh, over 50%, even up to 80% of your workload to be between light and medium. Mm-hmm. And the rest, 20%, should be heavy-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. heavy is uh, relative. Yeah, it's relative. So yeah. It would yeah. have to do tests and find out what your heavy weights mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of sport, it doesn't have to be a heavy one rep max. You know, it's not what we're going for. Mm-hmm. But just comfortable weights that are challenging. Since mm-hmm. I believe it's 232s, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can try 228s. You know, there's that's it's really up to you. You know, you know I believe program has a mix of all these yeah. weights, even yeah. simple and sinister has usually you working on two weights. So it's the weight you own and the, pro- the progression weight, mm-hmm. the next bell up, you mixing weight two weights with this SNS actually, because once you own the one weight, you should be starting to, to go heavier with your next bell up. That's the way the program works. So any uh, good program has a mix of both. Uh, there's a lot of ways to program, right? You could hold, have progressive overload. You can use uh, load variability, which is mm-hmm. also super effective, mm-hmm. and uh, mixing up different intensity zones in your program. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways to program. I could, we could have a whole podcast on programming. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you talked about it briefly uh, the last time, and uh, I want you to elaborate on it. It's yeah. Um, what what. Pavel says, which I like, he says, make sure the stop signs or you stop lifting if the rate of exertion goes above eight. Save, yep. your, save your nines and tens for the sport, or as I like to call it now, save it for fight night, right? Yeah, exactly, like a test. Your expression, right? Or, or, you know, or even sometimes in the workout where I feel like now, I, I feel like today I want to know time. what's up, right? It, because I don't compete. So for me, the, the fight night mode is some of my workouts and mm-hmm. you mentioned not always going heavy i uh, listened to the full podcast of squat university with ed cone and dr stuart mcgill and ed cone one of the greatest power lifters ever said too many folks lift too heavy for too long and that's yes. what kills them correct uh the problem occurs when you're kind of uh trying to add those small weights when you're going heavy and you're he- you're going you're heavy for too long and then you try adding a little bit a little bit of weights at a time and just keep going for too long it's not a great approach uh Pavel likes to take bigger jumps with weights because it kind of shocks your body mm-hmm. and if you're at 90% and you just kind of add you know you stay with the, that 90% too long and you try to add like two and a half pounds or five pounds and you just keep going it just you know, you're kind of burning yourself out there. The system breaks, yeah. System breaks. And mm. you look at uh, the way power lifters kind of program or cycle their loads. Mm-hmm. It's usually in a 12-week period or 14, 16-week, sometimes 10-week uh, cycle. And they kind of calculate, they backtrack. They'll say, this is what my should be my one rep max. And then they'll backtrack. Yeah. Weights. Yeah. And they'll take uh, different, depending on... First of all, they'll, depending on their strength, 
And depending on whether their muscle has more uh, fast, fast twitch fibers yeah. Yeah. Uh, or slow twitch fibers. Genetic potential, right? Yeah. So let's mm -hmm. say if you're, uh, you test your one rep max and it's, it's a certain number, it's like whatever, 300 pounds, and you calculate your 80% and you do a test with your 80% and you do as many reps as possible with your 80%. Now, certain people, if you're fast twitch like me, I may just get five reps. Now, a woman that is more maybe Angie, that's more uh, slow twitch, possibly in that uh, exercise, whether it's upper body or lower body, each is different, and it's gen it's specific to the person. It could be mm -hmm. upper body, lower body, exercise specific. Mm -hmm. You may get 10 reps. I may get five reps. So that means you have to program it a little bit differently in that case and take different type of jumps between each weights, each weight selection. Now you could be more precise with a barbell, of course, because you could yeah. get to the, the, the panel how much you want. But in kettlebells, you can as much. You gotta take bigger jumps. And in body weight is a little bit different. You have to uh, play with your your uh, your leverage. Right? So there's different ways to program depending on what tool you use. Now with kettlebells, you have to stay with a bell for a while, as you know, until you're able to conquer yeah, that yeah. weight and then move up in weights. Usually we use a couple a couple of sizes, you know. Uh, and Pavel likes to use what's called the Delta 20 principle, which is at least a minimum of 20% in intensity jump. Uh, he use, also uses for volume. So let's say the volume could be within a workout, could be within a weekly uh, a total or a monthly uh, a monthly total. So we, we have a way to calculate very precisely What's your monthly total of lifts? What's your weekly total of lifts? Or what's your daily total of number of lifts for that exercise? Pavel mm. came up with uh, Plan Strong, which is a very advanced uh, programming for lifters, for strength. Uh, you can also use it for, um, for ballistics, actually, which is interesting. The way to wave the weights or wave, wave the load. So it's super interesting way to program it. I could send you an article that he wrote. Uh, you, it's called from uh, yeah, please. from simple to sinister. It. Uh, it's an article that he wrote a after he he wrote the book. Uh, it's called from simple to sinister. Mm -hmm. How to use the um, weightlifting methodology to wave your weights or wave your load from week to week or from day to day. And uh, let's say if you use the regular simple and sinister template which is a hundred a hundred total mm -hmm. of swings mm -hmm. then you calculate let's say you do that five five days a week mm -hmm. then your total would be 500 a week mm -hmm. if you do it every month it would be 2000 mm -hmm. 2000 monthly reps of swings yep. that's kind of average right yeah 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 so on um <clears throat> he uses a percentage of that monthly total which will fluctuate drastically so it's the, it's the art of load variability, which is actually very uh, efficient and very powerful method of planning mm. your training for the month. Mm. Uh, you could mm. use it with power lifts. You can use it with a uh, strength exercise. You could use it, even use it with uh, body weight, calisthenics, and kettlebell mm. ballistics as well. Mm. It's a very interesting mm. method of planning your training. So if you divide the month into four parts, which is four weeks, You'll have 25% every week. But there's another way. He uses, uh, instead of 25 
four times, there's a 15, 22, 28, 35. That's the percentage. So you take 15%, 22, 28, and 35%. Now try doing that, divide that into 2,000 reps, and then you have your weekly volume. But you just have to calculate the percentages. So if, <laughs> if, if, I, <laughs> if I'm, more, uh, I'm trying to follow, brother. But and it becomes just, a little more interesting, like, yeah, because yeah, I love programming. You calculate like your, uh, and this is advanced, and I only do it for friends or myself. Yeah, to, highly uh, advanced stuff. Do like advanced programming for certain people. And, and just, just to uh, reiterate it quickly, uh, the per percentages that you mentioned, is that the weights or the repetitions? No, uh, is the volume is the total monthly volume in terms of you mentioned percentage. those 2000 you, you mentioned those let's let's stick with those because I want to understand it let's let's just say a easy number it's 1000 swings per month that's the total yeah. volume and let's so pick let's pick the in, 32 yeah so if you would divide that into four it would be four weeks then you'll have yeah. your your uh, every week how much you do in a week right that so would be 250 equally it would be 25 percent mm -hmm. four times right so if you change that you can change those numbers instead of having it equal you make it 15 22 ciao mat jeez ciao yeah keep going you make it 15 22 28 and 35 rather than 25 every ah, every week so Make you sense? ah now i got it so you play with the volume of yes. those swings so it's like i'm just exactly. paraphrasing one week it's 150 the next Correct. week it's 200 and then 300 Correct. The, ah now i'm getting yeah. it so getting let's it. say you take that 300 for that one week and then you could divide that into your week any in any way you want and there's mm. ways of doing that also mm. you know you could uh, make it equal across the board but pablo says that uh hey angie uh, Pablo says that uh, you get stronger or you're, you're able to tolerate more volume towards the end of the week, like on a Friday. Mm. Uh, at the beginning, like on a Monday, should be low volume. Mm. Uh, the mm. next day, a little more volume. Mm. And then you kind of um, kind of build up like that. It kind of yeah. does, a, does a little bit of like that, you know, so you know what I to program, but that's one way of doing it. But but you mentioned something that is highly interesting, and that is this is highly advanced programming yes. right because it involves a lot of uh, calculations it involves a lot of um uh, working with the volume working with the weights and then you have to have your client or your athlete or whatever stick to the program see how it works and then get the crucial feedback and then maybe adjust so that's that's highly advanced stuff yes. and you know one of the critiques that i've uh issued towards uh, Mark Wildman was the idea of his nerd math, which to me seemed very complicated. And so I, I, I realize now as I'm seeing it through the beginner's lens is as soon as you start calculating and going intensively with the numbers and really, you know, working with different working workloads, in your opinion, that's for advanced folks. And in my opinion as well. So uh, I would say like, uh, if you were to do it yourself, that's advanced if you want to calculate yourself, but you can have someone program for you <clears throat> that would be willing to do that program. Mm -hmm. But, but it's the, the problem. Yeah, the, yeah. the other problem, Gregory, is this, is I'm sure Dan would agree, and maybe you've heard him say it before, is that you're going to have this really advanced program, you built it, 
but then they, they end up missing one workout and then they end up missing two workouts. Oh, yeah. Yep, they end yep. up, they end up defaulting from the program. And then you try to realize, like, why did I end up spending so much time writing this program? <laughs> yeah, yeah I know this. Dedicated to doing it. Yes, I know this. So I know this first feeling. of all, if you're going to design a program, make sure that the person is going to do it, that they mm. are very dedicated and you're charging enough money to justify that. Mm. You know, I, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would not do it for free. Uh, <laughs> I've made the mistake before, but you know, at the beginning, you're <laughs> just learning how there, to bro. design these programs. You do it a lot. So, you know, you're not judging so much, but, mm. um, if the, the person has to be very committed to do something advanced like that and ask to give you feedback, you know, cause, uh, otherwise I'd give them five by five, which and is, you're done. You're done. and, and like, that works. Yeah. Uh, you know, and our method works so beautiful as well with, with the ideology that we are now following with the with the four time method where it's like listen it's it's swing it's press it's squat two minutes per exercise when you have all three exercises done you have six minutes of workload you have one minute break and you do those three rounds yeah it's these easy. are like series what you're doing now is a series so you could say it's like a two or three minute series pavel devised a really nice way to be able to work your strength and power without building any fatigue mm-hmm so I'm sure probably you've heard of it. Uh, not sure if you talked about it in the BJJ program, but it's called anti-glycolytic training. Mm -hmm. Anti-glycolytic, it means you're not, you're yeah. avoiding acid buildup Burn, altogether. Yeah. yeah, You're keeping your uh, workout in an interval where the acid does not have a chance to accumulate. Mm -hmm. And you have enough recovery time mm -hmm. in your interval that you're almost fully, rec not almost like fully, but you can have a, let's say 50% or more recovered that you're able to keep that up. Mm. And that's the thing is able to keep up the same quality of work for a long duration of time or as long as you want. And there's a lot of ways to program it, but that's one of them. Uh, and it's really powerful. People will get great results from that. Awesome. And you know, when you mentioned these, these types of programs, what I am now just realizing is, and you mentioned this before now, with the genetic potential, depending on the the setup of your muscle fibers, I am now, my, I think my body's telling me that I have some kind of a, let's say, evened out balanced mix. Because when I was following hypertrophy training, intensively bodybuilding type style, I never, I was never huge. I was bigger than I am now because I followed those typical hypertrophy uh, uh, programs, but I was never huge. Mm -hmm. So, and now that I'm discovering working for time and that's why I I uh, gravitated towards the kettlebell sport and now I'm gravitating towards heart style and combining it I think I have an even distribution of or sure. a somewhat even distribution so that's why I love applying what you are saying when we work with the two minutes and now what you say what Pavel's saying working this uh, anti-glycolytic idea that you don't burn out yourself which I which I 100% uh, really recommend to almost everybody, which is so beautiful, a beautiful way to lift and train, uh, especially for beginners without killing yourself, but still, um, and that's what I like, is sweating, reaching a certain limit, but always keeping that in mind. It's like, listen, the timer's not up yet, but I'm stopping the exercise, relaxing, 
breathing, breathing. And wow, these powerful breathing methods that, that Pavel talked about. I, I dove into power breathing. I understand it. I apply it as well. Then uh, the fractional breathing is awesome. The Darth yeah, Vader breathing cool. is awesome. Man, it's, it's, awesome. it's so much good stuff, man. And, and I'm, I'm, swallowing it, I'm swallowing it all up, man. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a deep dive and I really enjoy it, man. It's, apply it, see the benefits, and then you can uh, share, share with others. It's like Pavel. He's not going to go on anyone's podcast. He doesn't have the time. He doesn't want to. It's just beyond him. Mm -hmm. you know, he'll only choose very selectively selective. what he wants to do because he's very selective with his time what he does you know and with the status that he that he yeah. inhabits it's 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 granted to him i think i wouldn't do it differently if i was in his place it's like yeah. hey pff, I, I i i was lucky to have dinner with him the other night and we talked and you know we're we're good friends so that's I'm, awesome man i'm lucky 100 mm, and you know it's even it's just uh taking in the stuff that he says and you know, just being mindful of the fact that he and John Duquesne started this revolution in the West, where I'm like, I, you know, there's some things where I listen to, I listen to almost everybody who, who has, who in my eyes is a serious expert. And then sometimes I, I mix my own stuff into it where because I'm listening to so many sources that I'm, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I see it a little bit different. I know where this person is coming from, but maybe I have my own uh, uh, opinions about stuff. You have to have a filter, brother. And but we can never. knows what they're doing. But, but, but you, know, you know, we can never. And I think that's where this idea of cult comes from. The reason why we have to really everybody who picks up kettlebells has to respect the man is because he put them on the map in the in the west if it wasn't for him i don't know if you and me were we're talking now so so this is something where i i do not care whether you agree with him whether you disagree with him whether you like him or not he put it on the map Absolutely. in the west and he came up with a different methodology and i don't care if it was if it was already happening in Russia, I do not care about it. If it was his original idea, or if he, or if it, if he just took the GPP SPP ideology and mixed it sort of together with, with with kettlebells, I do not care. He put it on the map, so he deserves the credit. In in any case, yeah. and so if if I may segue into this because I'm highly interested in your opinion. Did you hear what Steve Maxwell said? Yeah, I listened to the podcast. And I, what's your take, man? I like it better than you got more views about his your critique on his podcast than the <laughs> podcast itself. It's funny, right? It's funny. It's funny, man. It's funny. I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I, I, Steve is a super knowledgeable guy. What I see happening sometimes with uh, experts and they kind of drift away. And they and this happened to Dan also. What I, I saw it kind of uh, he kind of drifted away uh, from what he used to do or who he used to be with and he ended up with controversial statements and mm -hmm. this doesn't work anymore or this should not be done anymore and uh, I change what I believe or I guess people change and yeah. people's beliefs change. Yeah. Uh, but look, so many people use kettlebells and for him to go out and say that they don't work, I'm not going to use them anymore, I don't. that doesn't make sense to me. To me, that just doesn't make sense. 
you're going to go out and say that you didn't, if you don't want to use them anymore, that's your choice. But then you're going to go out and say that they don't work. They're dangerous. Well, yeah, that's that's what he said, brother. He, he if didn't you don't use them correctly. Yeah, it's dangerous yeah, like anything yeah, else, like anything else. But he didn't say he didn't say they Oscars. don't work, brother. He didn't say they don't work. He, he said, yes, they work. But given the high injury rates of those guys, he mentioned. And that's where I that's where he lost. But those guys me. are elite athletes. His wife is an elite athlete. Pablo is an elite athlete. So is Dan. They're all elite athletes, bro. That's a, all the people he mentioned are elite athletes. So is he's an elite athlete to a certain extent. He's been doing it for years. I don't know if he how, if he's competing or not. But I could tell you that uh, Pablo, like he, he's done uh, uh, arm wrestling competitions. He's a martial artist. It does competitions. Uh, all these people are athletes. So use the tool to be strong, to help us in our sport. But like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you're prone to injury. <laughs> you know, you, well, maybe maybe less so because you use the kettlebell. But uh, it's and like, then, you know the funny thing, know. brother. The funny thing is, it, I didn't watch the whole thing. I was just the the part where he talked about Pavel and stuff, and just you know. I don't have to watch the whole thing. If you say, I don't use kettlebells anymore because I don't see no reason to use them, that's a bold statement. I don't have to listen to anything else. If that comes from any, any one of those experts, and I'm like, okay, first of all, you are an expert, so I'm listening. But then it felt like he had an ax to grind. That's the impression, and I said this in a recent video. I do not know the man's heart. I'm not saying it is that way. I say I get the impression, yeah. and and then he he contradicts himself in the end where he sells where he says, it's not the tool, it's how you use it. Well, that the kettlebell destroys your earlier also. argument, right? Yeah, that that's what kettlebells are, are. And and I said this, and you probably agree with me. Yes, kettlebells are dangerous if you don't know how to engage with them. And if you do these funny looking exercises with a 24 kilo or a 20 kilo, and you Correct. said this earlier, the, the necessary feedback that the heavyweight is giving you, you have to feel it to understand, ooh, that's probably not a good idea. Correct, and but by the way, if I can mention that Strong First has adapted and changed its system, it's, it has been evolving since RKC. And Which Steve Maxwell natural. was only part of it for a little while. I don't think he was there for super long. Like Brett Jones, you know, uh, if you're with the company for a while, you see the the, uh, the the system kind of change and get better. Yes. So we ad yes. we adapt. We know that you should not be doing uh, tons of repetition. We we know that we should not be getting deeper and deeper into fatigue. Uh, the hit training that he was talking about is the uh, high intensity training that, that was popularized by Arthur Jones, that you try to fatigue the muscle as much as possible. But we know that you slow down, you have a huge buildup of lactic acid, and you're more injury prone when you do that type of training. Mm. And That's so what happens. Yeah. And, and, and then you have to understand how, how to engage you know, I, I don't think every I don't think you can mix or lump all philosophies together for every tool. That's why I think CrossFit, while I like the idea, the circuit idea, I think the big problem is you are using 
one rep max exercises in from weightlifting, snatch, clean and jerk, heavily loaded, four reps. Yeah, not necessarily one rep max, but uh, it should be done one rep at a time. Just kind of like start and stop. You know, when, just, yeah, just when you look at the weightlifting, I mean, this is where the stuff comes from. I just recently correct. watched a video from Lu Xiaoyun, one of the Chinese uh, weightlifters. I think he posted one of his friends who was clean and jerking 198, uh, uh, 90, 98 kilograms. Mm -hmm. And the dude is like 80 kilo, 85 kilogram. So how, how crazy is that? Yes, you know, what, you know what toll this takes on your body probably for, for most of the athletes if you go to these rep, uh, these these heavy weights. And now we take this heavy, massive exercise and put it into reps. You, can you maybe can do it, but then the programming has to be very sophisticated. And, and I just I think read it's this. I to the technical competency yeah. uh, due to the, the nature of the lift itself. 100%. Uh, you look at the uh, elite weightlifters, they usually probably don't do more than three reps. I think Klokov, maybe uh, singles, doubles, and triples, usually. But they just do lots of sets, lots and lots and lots of sets. Mm -hmm. Do mm -hmm. one, and then they rest. Take a rest. And they rest. You, take, you yeah. do two, maybe two in a row, yeah. that's it, you rest. Yeah. And yeah. they do have yeah. variety in the lift. They do uh, other, like, uh, you know, GPP. other types yeah. of cleans and stuff to help yeah. their lifts, and, you know. Yeah. So you have to be mindful about programming um, CrossFit has done their own thing, even with kettlebells, as you can tell, as you can see, they kind of use their kettlebells their own way. They do the, the American swing. Uh, and I think smart CrossFit coaches, they know how to use that, uh, that exercise, but kind of, a uh, in a smart way, yeah. you know, yeah. the intelligently maybe for a competition or they know that heart style works uh probably better <laughs> just for technique mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but most people they don't have that range of motion you know and uh if you do a test on a power plate you'll see which one develops more power mm. it's the heart style develops more power and it's safer which taken taken from martial arts context it's uh fastest and most powerful mm -hmm. with the ideal amount of load Oh, and Steve, Steve mentioned this, you know, I, he talked about explosive exercises or doing exercises explosively. If you do them explosively, this does not transfer into, into the explosive power that, a, that an athlete or that a person can develop. And he, he didn't quote it. He didn't quote the science, but there's he one. Something huge, like you don't have to, uh, be you don't, train, train you don't have to, yeah, speed. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And then I, I, there's one huge review that I, that I was, uh, that I have in my mind, them all, that I was always referencing because it goes against the grain and says, yes, you don't have to do exercises fast to be fast. So that's what they're quantifying in this Depends meta analysis. Yeah. And, and check this out. Event. And I asked Dan about this and I was like, Dan, just from your experience in 40 years of lifting, do explosive exercises, for example, cleans, snatches, do they transfer to the field? And he says, I do think so that they do. I see it in practice. Yeah. So you have, so that's what I'm having another problem with. And 
I am slowly now really. Why is that a problem? <laughs> no, 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 not, not not with Dan John, not with Dan John. I'm having a problem with this statement from from Steve Maxwell where he says it's blatantly false. Yeah, and I you think you have to be to very ignore. careful with these choice of words, right? This is you have to be careful. I think what he means also, like, I don't want to just assume what I what what he means. And I I think you know that you could look at it from different perspectives because you can look at a power lifter, and uh, a power lifter can do maybe the power lifts, and they're strong enough they can start swinging kettlebells, like they can be yeah. fast with kettlebells. Yeah. Can they be as fast as a sprinter? Probably not. Can a marathon runner be just as fast as a sprinter? Probably not. So it's like you can't compare apples and oranges. Yeah. You got your sport. You got your event. What are you trying to accomplish? Number one. Yeah. For the regular Joe and Jane, being fast is awesome. Should they do ballistics if they can? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it trains your fast twitch fibers in a way that you don't really, it's a low impact, number one. You don't have to do sprints. You don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to do jumping. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go as heavy with a load like a deadlift that has put so much uh, uh, pressure on your spine. On the system. Yeah. On the system, like Stuart McGill says. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing with swings, it's also not for everyone. As Stu would mention, it does put um, sheer load on the spine. So some people are intolerant to that sheer load. Some people, it will fix their backs. So it's really how you apply it to with who. I, 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 that's what he said in the podcast where he said, you know, Pavel uh, came with this idea of Kime, this mm -hmm. generating force in your anterior chain. Because the, the, the acceleration when you're in the swing, the acceleration from your posterior chain generates sheer force in your spine when you're on top. So that's the reason why you have to contract your anterior chain, the surface breaks, to, to keep your spine from... from uh, experiencing those shear forces and he said Correct. that's the reason why, pa why Pavel came up with the kime with the tension because this engineers out the shear force to a certain degree and another thing that he mentioned was you mentioned power lifters where it's like listen if somebody's spine is not able to uh, experience a certain range of motion this is not a bad sign because when you take a look for at a power lifter example his spine was trained that way because it has to experience so much compressive force. Yeah, it's gone through the... It, yeah, it changes its, its structure and the tissues, man. It's, and you know, this is so powerful stuff, man. Where I'm, It's creating those micro fractures, which I think Steve Maxwell was talking about, but they're good. That's what happens when you train. You create micro fractures and they heal, you become stronger. Mm. I mean, if you overdo it, you're gonna get injured. You could create yeah. oh, severe cracks and stuff. And and that's and that's where you know that's where everybody agrees on. It's like wow, okay, so you have a beginner picking up a 48 kilogram and and doing his first set of 10 swings with a 48, probably hurt himself or herself. Well, not probably, most definitely. So yeah. yes, do not do not do this. And 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 cat, you know, we talked about juggling and figure eights and where. The spine is moving in elaborate ways and, and rotating and flexing and is rotational torque. Yeah, is it? During figure eights? Are you twisting and rotating so much? I, I think to a certain degree. 
when you use a heavier weight and you go down. So let's just imagine. I think I, I was thinking about it because now. In my opinion, it should not be used for a heavier weight. It should be used with a weight that you can keep your spine in a neutral position. Because you're the goal of that, what I see, it's just to make the core react. You're okay. transferring but the load to your limbs. So it, it makes your core respond to staying tight, staying neutral. That mm -hmm. should be the point of that exercise, then, then, in my you, opinion. And then just my question would be, why not just do the hard style swing or a swing with single hand? Where your, yeah. where your, where your core exactly. has to work. So yeah. then, this is where I'm coming from. Where It I'm, can be used as a warm-up, you know, uh, core activation, as they call it, or activation, mm -hmm. uh, to add variety also. Because yeah, adding variety, variety, variety is for fun. Yeah. Is fun. Yeah. But uh, keep the three-letter word W-I-N. I love it. I love it. And brother, this is where I'm coming from, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, for example, the Russian twist. I'm really, I'm. That's why I'm digging into this book, because I wanna take a look at these kettlebell exercises from that angle of of a spine scientist, who dedicated his life to the spine. So, so Stuart McGill will say on that that it's only for specific sports like fighters because they will be put in those positions during a fight so it's some some of these movements are uh, you could say uh, poisonous but taking it into light doses can create more resiliency in the spine in the body mm. but it's like a poison poison is like anything you take too much yeah. it's gonna, you know and and you know what it wow that that's a great uh, that's great feedback from you because then I will put it into category SPP2 what what Pavel was talking about the sports specific performance or sports specific preparation Correct. where it's like most people it's gpp and it's spp so spp2 would be doing a russian twist for a fighter because he will be put in that position but it's i love what resilient. yeah but i love what Pavel said he said it's only for elite athletes guided Correct. under elite coaches correct and you have to be strong as a entry pass to do that Mm. You have to be have a strong every, everywhere. You got to be just a strong individual. Or what's the strong standard? Okay, swinging 32 kilos, for example, mm -hmm. doing Turkish get-ups with 32 kilos. Everyone's got their standard, right? Mm. Could be deadlifting twice your body weight. But mm. if you don't have that standard, if you're not strong to begin with. It's not for you. Build your base of strength. Spend the time with the iron, as they yeah. say. Yeah. And you know, Kat, Kat, she summarized it so great. She said, you know, 99% of people probably don't need these these elaborate lifts and don't need to rotate with a ballistic load. Just, just, and it, perfecting the, man, the basics, man. It's, and, and you know what Dan told me, man? I love Dan. He said, you know, as a coach, you are not supposed to get bored. You don't get bored. Because, and I asked him, I said, what does that mean? He said, you know, I have seen thousands of swings, deadlifts, presses, squats in my lifetime. But somebody new comes in and experiences a swing for the first time, I cannot get bored and say, okay, let's do a staggered swing. Let's do a American swing. Yeah, let's yeah. do a backflip swing because yep. I'm bored of teaching swings. Correct. No, man, stick with it because As you a know. Teacher, you can't get bored. Man. And also, you know, as a practitioner, so as a practitioner and a teacher, you can't get bored. It means that you kind of have to do you. You have to do your own program, your own thing that kind of takes care of this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, <clears throat> you know what? what we uh, each all have our own preferences in yeah, programming. Yeah. And I've been doing Simple and Sinister for nine, 
almost 10 months now. And, you know, I've been, there have been days where I've just kind of like slightly a little bit like a little bit bored, but, you know, I enjoy the process. So I, yeah. I'm more mindful and I focus yeah. on other aspects of the, the, the program, like the breathing aspects, mm -hmm. more of the recovery mm -hmm. and just the day in, day out. What's, what's nice about it is I don't have to think about it. I just do, do my thing. It mm. feels good for my body mm. and it get up to my way of uh, getting my movement in because mm. it's a, a movement assessment. How does my body feel in space getting up from the ground with a heavy weight? feels great, you know, and you see, uh, and then the swing is uh, it's a, just a true expression of power. And, and it's a beautiful exercise, man. And, you know, this is where we this is where we connect again. I have been snatching and cleaning and jerking and swinging since what one and a half years now yeah continuously i'm gonna challenge you i'm gonna give you a challenge and the challenge is this i want you to learn the hard style snatch <laughs> i want you to try practicing the mm. snatch but hard style mm. try to accelerate the weight on the downswing without doing the corkscrew. You know how you do a corkscrew? Without dropping it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna do the gooseneck and you're gonna flip it. The gooseneck. And you're gonna throw the bell down between your legs and snatch it uh, fast, The goose powerfully. Snack. Yeah. I want you to try practicing this exercise. Uh, there's a lot of ways to program it, but you know, just do 10 reps at a time or five reps at a time. Take your, you know, just practice it and give me feedback. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And you know what? I always, I always program stuff now like this especially with the heart style it's like how uh, we're going to do 100 how are we going to do it uh, 10 sets of 10 10 is perfect and then relax breathe get ready for another set man it's 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 powerful it's good yep. stuff and hey you it just jumped into my mind accelerate the weight on the way down i have a question luca do you do you advocate accelerating the weight on the way down in the hard style swing depends how heavy you go if you go with a 48 probably not because you're going to get tired very fast yeah and you're not going to be able to do 10 like that guaranteed of course is this uh, a is this a philosophy is this a hard style philosophy uh it's because called, i heard somebody uh, say it i heard somebody say it it's an advanced technique so pavel talks about it uh in well, we, we teach it in Strong First, but he talks about in the Q&D protocol. And there's also ways of uh, doing it faster, creating that overspeed eccentric using a jump stretch band or those elastic bands. Ah, yeah. The yeah. inner ones, you hook it to the kettlebell, you put it between both your feet, and you do, um, uh, excuse me, um, I'm losing my, my, uh, my words here. It's uh, overspeed eccentrics. That's the word. You go much faster on the way down. You try to accelerate on the way down without so, losing technique. So it is a technique. much more demand on your system. It's going to be much harder and it's not better. It's just different. It's another way of adding uh, your, your variety in your training. All right. So Try it. Try it. I'd say with maybe a 24 kilo mm -hmm. or uh, even a 16 kilo, mm -hmm. it'd be easier to do with a 16. You just try to bang, bang out those reps faster. Ba 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 ba. Right. 
So then so it's out. It, the, the rate of uh, of speed is going to be much quicker. Boom, yes, boom, boom, yes, boom, yes, rather yes. than boom. Yes. Boom, boom. So you have less rest mm -hmm. in between rather than when you swing, let's say, I don't know, 32, 40, 48, you'll have more, more rest in the float. Yes, when it's, you get, when it's you on get top. a little bit of uh, yeah. a little bit of rest time, yeah. slightly yeah. fraction yeah. longer, yes. right? Yes. So that's the difference. Ah, so and you could also say if I'm and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you could also say because somebody recently asked me, "Hey, I only have X X kilo. I only have a 16 kilo. How can I make it yeah. harder?" Then you yeah. could say, "Okay, correct. go with the single hand hard style swing and accelerate yeah. on the way down." Boom! Well, Crank I out those reps fast. I recommend that with the one arm, actually. Ah, okay. I only do it with two arms. All right. Not recommended with. with it's, safe, one. it's safer because you know you can let it rip harder with the two arm swing, and that's only it's meant for that. Uh, with to use, it's safer to use with, with two hands. Great, because with one arm, yeah. uh, I don't want to yeah. use. It's, it's too risky. That's where I was coming from because I was thinking, okay, wait a second. You you really want to accelerate on your way down? That sounds. You could. Oof. You Oof. could. Uh, yeah. You could do it with snatches. Definitely, because you have that pause at the top, and then from the top you can literally throw it down. Mm. Mm. You know, it's like a, almost like a throw. Yeah, yeah. Man, I gotta try this stuff. Try with a 16. Yeah. There's just, a great, yeah. great book uh, you could check it out. It's called The Viking Warrior Conditioning. Yeah, I got Program. it. From from go. from uh, Kenneth J. Kenneth, yeah, get on. So Kenneth J. Uh, he advocates those overspeed eccentrics for the program. You're doing 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, and you typically get seven reps in that time because mm. you start with a light, uh, 16 kilo. Mm. You don't do 24, 20, 24, 16. Even for guys that are pretty strong, right? You start mm. with 16 mm -hmm. or 12, 12 to 16, right? 16 mm -hmm. is the right right amount. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a crazy protocol. Like it'll gas you pretty fast. Mm. It's great. Yeah, I, I have that and, and I really need to read it. But the first thing that I did was after, you know, diving into into hardstyle with you was going back to the simple and sinister and reread yeah, some of the stuff. That's great. Which, you know, that's where you can get your light, medium and heavy. So you go light, but you treat it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you still I use like a lighter it. weight, but you're just you're just throwing that weight harder mm, using yeah. more power. It's awesome. That's what Pavel says. You want to make it harder, use more power. Especially if you have just a fixed weight, right? Where, where you're like, hey, listen, yeah. man. I, and maybe somebody doesn't have a budget. I cannot buy a kettlebell. Or it's just out of whatever reason, I have one one weight and I want to make it a little bit harder. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Exactly. But still, but still have, you know, always uh, applying all those safety protocols, which I really enjoy when uh, from, from the video from Pavel. Uh, where he talks about, you know, barefoot or just having flat surface, not those cushion mm. shoes, which I see a lot in these reactions. When I react yeah, to videos, actually, uh, you're going to like this. I just bought these sandals. They're called uh, Zero. <laughs> awesome. They're ultra thin uh, sandals. Mm. And I really enjoy them. Wow. You know, I wear them. They're easy to put on. And I it, it feels like I'm walking barefoot wherever I go. They're really cool. cool. That's awesome. You know, one thing, one thing where I see where I like shoes is when I'm jerking with, uh, when I do jerks with, with two twenties or two sixteens, then I really like it because on the, on the double dip, boom, on the way down, that you land good. on the heels. It, it feels better in the shoes yeah. yet. Uh, there's the, the safety protocols, you know, and that's why it all circles back to, to 
the reason why I trust these respected figures and experts and why so many people trust them and why other people from the outside get the feeling that it is a cult is because these guys are preaching common sense. <laughs> and it, it, it makes sense. And that's what I love when I coach people. When I have people working with folks, I, I many times I hear them say, even, even if they have no fitness training background at all, is makes sense. And I think that's Absolutely. one of the crucial ways where, where if I'm testing you on an exercise, asking you a question, and then you can give me an answer where I, can, where I say, oh, that makes sense. With the acceleration now that we talked about, makes sense. But if it doesn't make sense, I have to question the, the, the exercise or the program. That's where I'm you know, coming from. If you, if, you, uh, if you follow stuff from a trusted source, uh, the understanding is a delaying tactic. So a lot of people, they want to try to, they need to understand before they get started. You're wasting your Say time. Say that again. Say that again. The understanding uh, under, is a... Trying to understand is a, is a delaying, delaying tactic. Delaying so tactic. They, so dr just trying to maybe figure it out. Or let's say, you know, one like Dan tells you, you got to do it this way. And then you say, well, I got to understand how this works. Like, so you try to, you know, lift up the hood of the car to understand the engine and all the inner workings. It's a delaying tactic. Tactic. You know, you just need to get started on it right away, and then you'll understand later why it works, why it's so powerful. Then you could study it in in depth and all that. You don't have to completely understand something to get the benefits. Mm. You know that that makes sense when it when it comes to programming. Yet sometimes when I when I look when I react to 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 uh, these workouts sometimes. I see X and I, I said this many times in, in, in certain uh, aspects, I watched the movement. I looked at it through the lens of the biomechanical aspect. I looked at it through the lens of understanding how the kettlebell works, the, 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 the ballistical aspect of it, the bell shape, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then figuring out at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm looking at that exercise and I do not understand it. And I, to me, it doesn't make sense. And I do yeah. understand that sometimes, yes, if I see something for the first time, doesn't make sense at, at in the beginning. Yes, this may happen. Yet, I would credit myself to a certain degree to understand a little bit of uh, something about the kettlebell. Sure. Where, where I'm seeing, for example, I saw this one kettlebell workout with these uh, and I love this. You said about these triangle shaped kettlebells where you're like, brother, that's not even a kettlebell. We're not even talking about kettlebells. And I saw another one of these where you can, it's not a bell. It's, it's like a, I don't know. It looks like a bird's house or a bird's nest where you can shove weights there's, in. There's a new one that, that is like Thor's hammer and they call oh, it a yeah. kettlebell. I saw and it. There's even a knife called the kettlebell. Doesn't mean I'm going to swing it. So uh, there's a, there's a knife by uh, Gerber that's okay. called a kettlebell. So they're suddenly calling knives kettlebells now. And I'm going to call a, a knife the Thor kettlebell. Like the Thor kettlebell, the hammer kettlebell. I saw this because I was a, I was on Google Trends because I was checking out what's trending on Google to make a video, and then I saw kettlebell. I typed in kettlebell, and then it says Thor's workout. Thor's I'm hammer. like, what? Yeah, Thor's hammer. And then I saw it. It's a hammer. What does that have to do with the kettlebell? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing at all. They just That's wanted it. to tap into the kettlebell market. Yeah. By calling it that. 
It's uh, it's cool. It's novel. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this before. I think it's by Onnit. It looks like half a kettlebell. It's a mm -hmm. kettlebell without the handle, and you put your hand inside the ball. The fat they're bells. Like weights, they're like weights like that. You could use them for like presses, and they might be cool for presses and stuff, but to swing, probably not. And I saw you. you uh, I I follow Thompson. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, but I think it's one of his inventions from Rogue. It's fat bells. He calls them. Okay. It's a ball, yeah. or a bell, and the grip is inside. That's what it is. The yeah. bell. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Uh, Not made for swing. Concrete blocks, if you want. Yeah. And you know, Kat said this as well. She said, you know. Sometimes when she looks at certain kettlebell, or we talked about kettlebell exercises, and she was like, well, for certain exercises, you can just take a bag of rice, and it will probably have the same effect. Because the way you treat the kettlebell in that exercise, you do not tap into the potential of what the kettlebell offers because you don't understand its differentiating factor. Yeah. So you might as well use a bag of rice. And I was like, yeah. Practically. Probably. Practically. Yeah, it's awesome, brother. I like sandbag training—that's cool. That's that's an interesting modality as variety. Mm -hmm. But like it's like anything else, you know. You add it for fun. You add it for variety and for something different. And there are trainers that train only—they do a bunch of variety all the time, and it works for them. And that that can work, also. But and you have to be specific up to a certain certain point. And you know, you, you mentioned this about it may work and I talked to Kat as well and I'm interested in your approach and I'm kind of because I know you now a little bit brother I think I know where, where your approach might be but I want to ask you now you said okay some people are just favoring variety all the time mm -hmm. and uh, Kat said she said you know there's people they're just hiking they're walking they're riding the bike they're in great shape and that's what they do and she mentioned a book that's called the eight colors of fitness I, I i gotta check it out so yes i understand it from that perspective do what makes you happy and if you're hiking all the time i think you get a great workout in and you love yeah. it you're outside awesome stuff yet if we take a look at the big picture and now we start grabbing weights it's not body weight only now I and mean, even with body weight exercises you can do stuff that doesn't work right but i believe where is your take on this? I believe there are exercises that, yes, variety, yes, of course, but value, no. Do you agree with this? It's like going out to a restaurant, you know, there's different quality uh, beef. I could go to fast food and get full on eating uh, McDonald's. Or I could really, you know, uh, go to a high quality steakhouse. Exercise is the same. There's different quality of exercise. Like Dan said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I love this. Uh, and there's variety that works that people use that for just, that are highly specialized. And there's other exercises that thrive on variety, like calisthenics. Calisthenics, more variety is actually a better. Uh, or can be better. Uh, kettlebells, in a way, yes, depends on the person, and it also depends on your personality. So uh, I think certain people are, can, they can thrive on variety, and then I think others, they just need it. 
it's just part of them and others like myself i can do do better or be okay with just doing two exercises for a year and you know, you're and saying I, and making yeah, progress yeah, i yeah, gotta yeah. be okay with with yeah. that and and you're saying they can thrive on variety and yes let let's let's put it into perspective of yes having fun and continuously do it that's what i always i think all the experts agree that whatever when it comes to exercise whatever makes you happy and what you can adhere to yeah. that's your regimen right and yeah. but let's but let's put that aside let's put fun aside let's put all these aspects aside that make people happy when it comes to lifting so if you put put that aside as progress are you making progress yes, yes or and no? now and now let's let's put somebody on the map where it's like okay look at this guy or this girl she did variety only mm -hmm. and now we compare this with you mm -hmm. swings and get-ups and now you both have to compete or you both looks feet or bio, uh, uh, biological markers and everything fitness speed blah blah blah. i think you're better off it's a toss-up it's you a toss-up so? uh it's so specific there's so much context so much context i don't know what the person has been doing let's say you know, let's let's assume is let's it, assume brother. is it variety everything that hinders them is it variety that is is do they are they making progress with that variety are they uh, so advanced that you at a certain point if you're too advanced you need that variety like a west side barbell they do variety every two weeks they change their lifts every two weeks because they're so advanced mm. and they push themselves so hard in those lifts. So that methodology thrives on variety. Mm. On, all in the methodology. I, you know, and that, in that case, I'm just don't, I'm, I, I know Westside Barbell and Lewis Simmons. I know, I mean, I know where they are and who they are. And I know Lewis Simmons, these guys are legends. Yet, I just, I just can't wrap myself or my head around the idea that somebody who Let's have somebody who sticks to the program to whatever result, you know, getting in shape or getting lean or beating a competition. I, put whatever result you want in there, blanket, right? And then you have somebody, well, what is your approach? My, well, my approach is systematic. I have GPP, I have SVP. Okay, got it. Yeah, now, what is your plan in a way that is... Yeah, uh... I think that's where we agree, right? Because now you mix somebody in, what do you do? Well, I do some push-ups, some pull-ups, some swings, some some uh, curls, some sled drags, some everything. Yes. And how do you mix that? Well, I just, you know, however I feel like. This is yeah, where I not, think- It's not intelligently planned. There's no- uh, That's a great no, adjective. That's a great Or there's no uh, track record there. <laughs> and that's if, where I'm coming from. You know, you gotta have a track record. And, um, and, and what I think Variety does, because I had uh, this great podcast and this guy, was asked the question. He was a high-level coach, and he asked. He was asked the question, and then John, uh, when he heard about it, he he, he smiled. Um, the question was, Coach, what separates the good athlete from the great ones? And he said, the great athletes push through the boredom. Mm -hmm. Is a and consistency that they just keep keep going no matter what, and they keep going even on days that are not going well, or on periods that aren't going well, like cycles or weeks or months that are not going so well. Because yeah. sometimes they uh, have an injury and they have to take like ten steps back 
and it's super it sucks because you know you're much stronger you feel you should be doing more but you're just have to do all these little corrective yes. exercises yes right? and yes you're bored of that you want to push stuff. yourself so and you know they, they know the big picture they're aware of the big yeah. picture and uh, they don't let that stop them and you know that isn't that something that happens as a coach or just in any profession is there is a certain level of boredom that comes up where it's like well i want to do something different and yeah. i always i i, I want to live by that mantra like nah man you yeah. stick to it because those guys and gals that stick to it those are the ones that rise to the top sure and at that level they do it for maybe the reason that they want to win mm -hmm. and that's enough of a motivator because they really want to win so my motivator is I really want to master the 48 kilo kettlebell. I want to be able to do one arm swings pretty comfortably and get ups with them pretty comfortably. And that's my motivator. And I know that doing that, it's going to make me almost feel invincible as a result. So that's my motivator right there. Mm. And you know that, uh, and, and oh, I like this, that that's where I'm coming from, where I always differ about this variety idea because Kat said, you always want to think about the skill transfer or GPP. And I love Pavel's, uh, Pavel's example. First of all, catch set skill transfer means you choose the exercise that gives you most bang for your buck. For example, if you're good at swings, then you'll be good at running probably. Mm -hmm. So choose, but, and, and I like Pavel's example. He said, for example, a back squat transfers great into combat sports. A bad GPP exercise is a leg extension. You only get better at the leg extension. So here we are, right? So this is where I'm, where it's the pyramid rises to the top, where it's like you have a certain set of exercises, and of and for because example, they make you stronger. Yeah, you know those. Uh, they yeah. transfer over to to strength overall. Yeah, and better performance, better endurance. Skill transfer, brother. Better muscular endurance. And to a certain, and then after a while, you have to transfer it to the skill of your sport. That's yeah. why Dan John mixes both. He does both in the same session. Yeah. So there's a there, mixed training. Yeah. yeah. Nervous, nervous nervous system kind of understands the the carryover. It can make mm -hmm. the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and this is where I'm coming from. And even with the idea, I recently reacted to one video where uh, the 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 coach was doing staggered swings, and. I, I love his execution of the swing. It's powerful. And the staggered version, what I said in the video was, I love his execution and this is where I differ. I, I wouldn't do a staggered swing because I'm off balance. I, can, I have to use lighter weight and I don't think I'm as powerful. That's why I don't do it. But yeah. hey, you're having fun with it and you're safe. You're having a good, good, uh, good execution form. Do it, but I believe don't expect the same result if you do staggered swings and I do the standard swings with yeah. both feet on the floor. And that's where I'm coming from. It's like the squat, you know, you can get all these variety in the squat and yeah. how to place the bar and all this and stagger your stance and all that. They all work, but we know that the back squat, the traditional one works really well. So we stick to that. Yeah, why not stick to the stuff that works? It's uh, if you're bored, then yeah. you do uh, the safety bar squat with the, the pads on your back. Uh, you can do front squats with the barbell in front. You can do a zercher squat. You can do deadlifts and, also. And uh, have you heard about? You, 
deadlifts will keep carrying over to your sport no matter mm. how strong you get they just mm. keep getting making you stronger mm. by the way it's, yeah it's powerful so, stuff man. and then that's what's a deadlift it's a kettlebell swing yeah it's a heavy yeah. it's a, you know that's why we do swings it's it's a, yeah. a lot of transfer over to your and, sport and and that's what people ask me sometimes it's like well because i reacted to starting strength mark ripito from starting strength yeah he was uh unfortunately dismissing kettlebells mm -hmm. but i i do get it i'm like listen you want to become i'd like to take i'd like your take on it you want to become as strong as possible what's the best tool well i believe it's the barbell do you agree how do you yes so yes. that's something yeah it's the king of the lifts you can incrementally load it and you can go maximum with it problem with the, the barbell is that everything is bilateral you don't get to i mean of course you could do single arm deadlifts with one arm on the barbell yeah but <laughs> but you need uh yeah. you, so you need a little bit of unilateral work and that's fine yeah yeah to balance things out and these are nice things to do smart smart programming you only do one thing for a while eventually it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna yeah. break you down yeah i know i'm gonna stop doing uh, one arm swings and get ups for a while and then focus on something else. Mm -hmm. But That's now I'm doing this programming. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, next program, I might do clean and press or snatches, mm -hmm. something else. Right. So, mm. so, and that's what I was getting to, you know, understanding the different modalities and understanding where they come from and understanding yeah. how to apply it. And I love what Pavel said. He said, kettlebells give you unparalleled efficiency because how you can load it, how you can work with it, the conveniency, you have, you replace an entire gym with it. You yep. work ballistically, you get a ballistic stretching of your hands and all that kind of stuff, which you don't get with a dumbbell or a barbell. And yeah, so the gym is closed, you just walk in front of your house and you, and you, you can do it on the you're lawn. Safe. Uh, you're safe. On your neighbor's lawn. <laughs> Brother, as a, final, as a fi final note, which I'm interested in, I'd like to hear your take. Um, I was recently studying, I'm just studying, but thinking about the planes of motion. So when we do kettlebells, we mostly work in the sagittal plane. Mm -hmm. So I do understand we have the sagittal plane. Like a swing? Yeah, swing, clean, press, right? So I do understand with the kettlebell, we can also engage in the transverse plane, windmills, Turkish. Yet where I believe maybe a... Club bells are a great addition, or what I what I what I now hi what I now like to call is a scaption press, a scapular plane press, where you follow follow the 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 the, the biomechanical uh, way of your shoulder blade when you press mm -hmm. the weight and you mm -hmm. lever use your body as a lever. Mm -hmm. This exercise, the scaption press and maybe incorporating club bells are the only way where you can work in the frontal plane. Mm -hmm. So kettlebells are missing the frontal plane. What's your take on it? You can't get everything from kettlebells. You can't get everything from barbells. That's why we use all everything. You don't want to be stuck anywhere because mm -hmm. when you uh, think it's just the tool, then you focus too much on the tool. You got to have the principles, mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Like Max, Steve Maxwell said, is how you use the tool. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what you that's what you see because that's what I'm seeing. Uh, yes, you, you want have to use to, many tools to yeah. train in, in many ways. That's where I well, yeah. Yeah. but you're gonna have your uh, main lifts. Yeah, they may not Great. be. You may not be working uh, all the planes as you're in your main lifts, but you believe me, you're working all the muscles in your body. Guaranteed. Oh, that that that's a quote. You're brother. working all the muscles in your body. That's I for need, sure. I need that on the shirt, man. So you, you don't have to work all your uh, planes and your training. Uh, you know, I mean, for uh, to move well, for warming mm. up, for mobility, for mm. fun, mm. Uh, using different tools like maces, mm. Indian clubs, yeah, yeah. Uh, calisthenics. Um, part of uh, some of my uh, friends use the functional pattern stuff, the throwing and all that. But the main lifts, they work every single muscle in your mm. body. The, the back squat works every single muscle in your body. The bench mm. press, the clean and press, mm. the kettlebell swing, the Turkish get up, mm. the, the pull up, you know, chin ups. I, I you like chin up. Yep. You made the prime movers or your yep. lats, you know, your yep. bicep, your your your, uh, your foot, your grip, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But then you mm -hmm. have everything is isometrically contracted. Tension, tension. I I I I'm paraphrasing this, brother. I love what you say, and I'm paraphrasing this now, just for my memory. Just because you don't move in all planes of motion does not mean that you don't work all the muscles in your body. Love talking right. to you, brother, man. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed the video, like it. Consider subscribing if you want to see more kettlebell content. And if you're looking for a kettlebell program that builds you up from a beginner to a slowly advanced trainee in the course of about three months, and you maybe want to combine it with some easy-to-follow nutrition coaching because maybe you want to lose weight or you want to get in shape, then check out 90 Days of Kettlebells. You'll find the link in the description. 14-day free trial included.